This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gelsman gets there. Another good kick from him and here's Hartman now. Hartman going past one man, finding Wagstaff. Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Hi guys, welcome back to Pull and Back podcast. Today I'm joined by William Young and Nathaniel Witto. You're probably wondering where Ant or Joel is. Uh, a little bit tied up tonight, so second time on the podcast and here I am. Um, so first of all, we'd like to start by saying thank you to the sponsors. Um, first one I'm going to mention is Hull City Retro. Hull City Retro make phenomenal um, replicas of Hull City shirts. Whether these that can be go back as far as the eighties, I believe. Is that right? Guys? So far they've gone the ball that far back, yeah. Yeah, so some some phenomenal stuff. And I know some of the guys in the team's already got some and there's a lot across the social net um, social media network as well in the fan base. I'm seeing a lot of them pop up on Twitter and stuff like that. So please do um look out for them and if you do, make a little purchase. Uh, second one we we'll wanna speak about is Hull Badge Man. Um as you know, these are the guys that stand outside um the stadium on the way into the grounds and they're basically selling badges. As you can appreciate during the pandemic, they wasn't able to do that. So they are on the up now. So it'd be brilliant if we could all pull together and help out there. Um, third one being the FIFA factory. Um, myself at the helm of that. Um, basically just, if you enjoy playing FIFA, reach out to us. Um, we, we play non-toxic style. Um, so basically get involved. Coming up tonight, um, we've got a review of Hull v QPR, and then we'll be previewing Hull v Derby, and then we're going to finish off on a bit light-hearted and have a nice little chat about Tom Huddleston, who's returned. Tommy, 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 <laughs> oh, all right. It's all right. It depends. We'll, we'll save it for later. So we'll start off by reviewing the game of Hull v QPR. Now, my personal opinion on this is it was a bit of a flattering scoreline for QPR. Felt like it was in the game for a lot of the time and we was unfortunate. Maybe not to lose, they might have edged it, um, but to not at least score one or two, I think. Um, but what do you think, Will? What was your thoughts? Uh, yeah, uh, similar echoes to you. Yours, obviously, same during the game. It City... Were good to be fair. If you'd have seen this just the scoreline, you'd have thought, uh, City were rubbish, they got hammered, it was it got a red card, simple as it got what they deserved. But the actual game itself was more than that. So, like you say, City before we was at nil nil, City had a couple of chances and looked really good. Um, and it was 
a couple of essentially it was a couple of set pieces that City just completely switched off on, soft, switched off on, that completely changed the game for them because they didn't play badly and QPR for the most part were kept at bay to an extent. It was just these set pieces that killed it, and so as soon as Moncare got sent off, it was game over pretty much. Um, I thought, like you said, I think, I think QPR probably did edge it anyway. But three la- three nil is definitely a scoreline that doesn't tell the whole story. Exactly, and I think when we, when we mentioned the set pieces, um, it's easy to say that we was maybe a bit sloppy at the back. But you've also got to give a little bit of credit to um, QPR coming to us away oh, yeah, from us and trying something like that because it's not well, easy yeah, to set piece like that. Don't get me wrong; the shots maybe could have been better dealt with, and there's a deflection and stuff like that. But um, end of the day, they've, they've tried something that's worked, and we kept them at bay in open play up until we, we were down to 10 men. So, I mean, we've got to give credit to that because as a new team coming up, playing against a team who's pit for one being one of the playoff favourites, you know, it's it's a great shout to be able to be that far into the game without without conceding or conceding many opportunities in open play. So, <laughs> without you, Nathaniel, what do you reckon? What did, what did you yeah. make of it? Well, it was a different sort of opponent to Preston because they were, I mean, I said on the podcast that they're just average and they we showed them to be average. But QPR are like a solid, well-drawn side with good players. And Johansson in the midfield was possibly their best player or one of them. Um, every time he got on the ball and the rest of them as well, they just controlled the game really well. So perhaps not in like our tactics or anything. It looked like we were a division apart, but... Um, with you know how well uh, QPR controlled the ball and the game overall, and you know used set pieces to their advantage like we did last year, I think it showed that you know they were a step up in in class uh, in some ways. And uh, it was disappointing to lose three nil. I don't I, I don't know whether we deserved uh, definitely not to win, and I don't know about a draw. I think QPR perhaps would have won the game anyway, but. Um, there weren't. I don't remember Ingram having to make too many difficult saves. Uh, there was one with his like foot later on, but generally, uh, I thought we controlled. Well, we although QPR maybe used the ball better, we we weren't terrible. Three 0 definitely flattered QPR. Uh, so although we lost three uh, 0 and conceded and that sort of thing, uh, I'm not too concerned at how the game went. I think the not lots of uh, positives, but certain players look decent. And uh, one of the things I was most impressed by was, uh, I mean, they had Dykes up front, who's this big lump. But, uh, you know, although Greaves and Jones are, are young players and inexperienced, they, they handled all the long balls in the box and up front really well. Um, and it was along the ground for the set pieces that were actually got done by. So. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it's not, you know, just uh, those are strong, solid centre-backs we've got, I think. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I, couldn't, I honestly couldn't agree more with it. Um, there was a point I was going to make then. <laughs> I, I didn't make that. Okay, you went, oh, and then one more thing. I was like, ah, I'm going to lose this. <laughs> I think I think um, we probably went looking like the better, but I think when Smith had his chance at 1-0, that was cleared off yeah. the line. Yeah. That was the point of all, of any of any of them. That was the point because I think if that goes in, we might have because we was in the ascendancy anyway. We might have gone on to win it. But I agree with yeah. you for the most part. Apart from that, they were probably the better side. Um, but it, it's just a, it's a case of not taking your chances when you have them, and 
the opponents doing that. I think, yeah, you, you nailed it perfectly there. In terms of, we had the opportunity to score at what would have been the perfect times, just like QPR did, and they took their opportunities. We didn't. We had a new, we had an opportunity to go one 0 up. We had a chance to equalise, and if we'd have equalised, could have had another chance to go two one up. The way the game was going, but it didn't work out that way. And unfortunately, that is the nature of the game at this level. I think one of the best things I saw online was someone said that's the most I've enjoyed a three 0 defeat because we didn't look like. Without a place, we didn't, we didn't get dominated. You know, we played worse and had a better scoreline in the past. Mm. So we can, yeah, it might have been me who said that. Yeah, it could. It, yeah, maybe most well, have enjoyed a defeat because I mean the horrible cliche thing to say at the moment on all these podcasts is, "Oh, it was great to be back in the ground," and it was because it's true. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to to see a score after so long, but yeah, I mean, we were we were close and. Uh, just want to touch on uh, like Longman's debut. Uh, he was okay. He had some nice dribbles. But the main thing about Longman was that when he came off and we brought Matt Smith on, that was when we looked we looked way better. Yeah, not necessarily because Longman was bad, but I think it just having Smith in the midfield in his range of passing really helped. And yeah, uh, it's a shame he couldn't score. It wasn't like for like. It was because hmm. we moved Moncara wide and Smith was in the midfield position instead. Yeah, I mean, I think what was going on to next was who like who really stood out for you. I know we lose three 0 It's difficult to sometimes pick a player out as to who stands out in a game where you lose. But we've already mentioned this in the game where you lose and you walk away with your heads down, thinking there's a lot to change because it was a good performance. Um, besides the goals, so who really stood out for you, Will? Uh, Matt Smith, going back to him, Matt Smith for me. Um, having not really seen him to that point, we obviously got a brief bit of a cameo in the last couple of games. But I thought on the ball, he looked great. Um, he, looked, he looked really. He looked. You'd think he was older than he is. Yeah. The way he plays, he seems to have a wise head on his shoulders. It's, it and, uh, years, but you get little snippets of Phil Foden in there, don't you? Like, I know, no, I, no, I get, what, I get, no, I get what you're saying. Um, he, he's got, he's got a similar because he, he obviously he's play, he's at, he's from Man City, so he's yeah. gone through yeah. the same sort of academy and system and training. So I know what you're saying. I know, you I know you don't mean he's Phil Foden, he's, he's, he's got that, he's got that technique, that similar sort of technique. You can see that he's probably watched Phil in training and gone, you know, that that could work for me. That's a bit like me, and mm. and obviously. Phil's developed that from taking little nuggets from any every other players he's played with in the past as well. Um, but what what was your thoughts on the red card, Nathaniel? Uh, well, I mean, I was there, and I mean, I'm not a referee, so and I wasn't thinking as soon as it happened that it's a red card. But as soon as the ref blew his whistle, I knew he was going off just yeah. because of like the the strength of the the strength of the tackle, and you've seen it lots of times before. You know, there's a player who's got the ball and he loses it perhaps when he shouldn't. And he's desperate to get it back. So you lunge in desperately, especially like 2-0 down, you're that desperation to kind of get back in the game. And he's just gone in a bit too strongly. Uh, and it's a real shame because I think he was my standout player. Maybe not lots of game, yeah. end product, but, you know, some of his quick dribbles to kind of get past players and like bowl rolls and that sort of thing. You know, I'm amazed that he was from like Luton. Right? You'd think he was from like, he's like some he's Portuguese... Brazilian Ronaldinho, not quite that good, but like we're comparing our, our League One average players to a lot of well, you know, world class players at the moment. But uh, that's you know, of course, a good sign. But yeah, I thought I thought it was a red 
and it was a real shame because um, I thought he played uh, not amazingly, but I think he's a very solid acquisition. It's, it's a shame that uh, we're going to have to, you know, replace him because he was already a replacement for Honeyman, really, in terms of exactly. just who's playing. I mean, me personally, I struggle with it a little bit and I get real um, pernickety with, with little bits in terms of football. So I think I mentioned this to Will at the time because um, George, Jordan Kerr at the time, he's, he's got the ball, he's, he's trying to break onto the edge of the box and he's had a drag on the back of his shirt. Mm. Now that drag on the back of his shirt, he's lost a yard. So he's got, to, and if he wants to win that ball, then he has to dive in for it. I'm not, I'm not, you don't condone diving in. However, the opponents have gained an advantage from doing something with a bit of malice or dirty or whatever you, however you want to word it. They've gained an advantage from that. He's then trying to recoup that disadvantage. Mm. That's the way I look at it. And I think, well, if they, they give that little foul first, which they didn't give all game anyway, because there seems to be this yeah. in football where it's a man's sport. You should let these little pushes and niggles and stuff like that. But you gain a massive advantage by it. Um, and it, for me, that really, that really annoyed me because as soon as the drag back's done, it should be a foul. And anything after that's null and void. Do you know what mm. I mean? However, it, it can't, mm. don't get it wrong, it does seem like a, a violent mm. challenge. And if you'd have had a, a like a, if you'd have had like a big meal before, and you know, you could have brought up your lamb gyros or anything. So, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, one of them challenges. I think but, if that happened on the edge of his own box, I'd be kind of more sympathetic, but it, it was the edge of the QPR box. So I think it was just exactly. sort of neat. You know, you're 2 0 mm. down, 75, like 75th minute, was it, or 70th, something like that. He doesn't really need to do it, but I mean, it's just, I it's, guess it's at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, one one thing though that I was impressed with Moncur that although he's like he was playing in that ten role or, or like the more attacking midfielder, he, he like Honeyman last season, he was winning the ball back as well, uh, which yeah. was really good to see. And I think one of the main strengths last season that the midfield tackled the ball, whereas when we got relegated, never happened ever. They just walked through. But this year and last year. That doesn't seem to happen, and Moncur's uh, kind of doing what Doherty and uh, well, the midfield last season did so well. Uh, so that was impressive as well. But it's just it a shame great. that it was a red card at, at the end. It does great link-up playing. I think I was in one of the group chats last night, and, I, and again, you're going to laugh at the name that I'm going to compare him to. But <laughs> in terms of a little bit further up, you see a lot of similar likes in terms of how Henderson plays. Do you know John Henderson for Liverpool? He, yeah, he's under the way, Yeah, he goes under the radar, but he's a little bit further up than Jordan Henderson. So, whenever someone's under pressure on the ball, Munker is always there, ready to receive a pass, which is a lot like Jordan Henderson. And then with that ball, he doesn't just waste it. He doesn't go, oh, "Well, I'll take the pressure and then I'll mess it up." He looks elsewhere and he'll play a pass that even you don't see. And you go, "Oh, well, fair play, mate. Thanks for doing that." And that is consistent. And I've only seen him play for two games now, but I've seen it consistent through them games. So for the next three games, I think he's going to be a big loss. Um, I think he's a contender for keeping his shirt full time. So, yeah, once his suspension's over, I think he'll be back in the side. Not a bad midfield, Foden and Henderson, is it? No, exactly. You know, with them. Look at me building a fantasy team. Well, I mean, to be fair, Nathaniel, you also put Ronaldinho in there. I know. That's that's I an mean, even better midfield, isn't it? Very expensive. I said so, McGuinness is like Benzema last week as well, I think. So it's not a bad squad. He's, a, he's our new Marlon King, isn't he? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
So what we've touched on already is um, our thoughts on the game. Um, we, we basically summed it up in it. It's the best defeat. It's, it, we enjoyed the defeat, um, despite the scoreline. Um, in terms of who stood out, we all kind of went for Jordan Munker and Matt Smith. We enjoyed them despite the, the red card. Um, the thoughts on the red card is that it was a bad foul, but um, me personally, I'm a little bit anal on the fact that he got dragged back first. So mm. uh, won't really big, big on that. But the last, the, the way I was going to sum up the QPR was the question for not so much who do you hate as a player, but more along the lines of who didn't perform as well as you expected or underform slash went under the radar. Um, I think maybe Longman disappointed. Um, obviously, he had a really good pre-season, so he was pretty much most people's pick to be straight in to replace Wilkes for his injury. And I think he, I don't know, obviously, if he maybe suffered a bit more with COVID than McCann expected him to, and he just looked I a bit leggy. groin injury as yeah. well. Yeah, I, th- I think he went off with a groin injury, but he mm. looked tired anyway. Um, he, he looked... Did. Yeah, he didn't look match sharp. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to say not match fit, but he didn't look sharp at all. Um, so obviously, maybe Longman would be a contender, but for for the full game, um, probably Ingram. Um, I think the first goal was a little bit disappointing to concede. Um, Ingram's usually quite solid in those situations. I mean, to be fair, the entire defense needed to turn on for both the set piece goals, and you know, maybe he was unsighted mm-hmm. for the first goal and being a bit harsh, but. It's, you know, a it's, it's a set piece, you know, so everyone's back there. And if, if you see, even at 1 0 down, we've got everyone back. So the full team's yeah. got to ownership there, I think. It, it's always disappointing to concede a set piece where they take it quickly, um, you know, because it means that they're too busy, you know, your, your team's too busy looking at who should be marking who and they're yeah. not switched on straight away as they should be. And QPR exploited that and then we're already behind, you know what I mean? And we're chasing the game. and that's what's happened to all three of our competitive games this season. We've gone to go down and, and things like that need to stop and need to change. If we're going to, you know, take the impetus and start taking games to people, we've got to stop coming from behind and, and, and goals conceding like that. Where it's sloppy and it's preventable is the main point of that mm. one. It was a goal that, that shouldn't have happened and, and could have been stopped. And we conceded two of them. So, do you know what I mean? It's, it's one of them where it's not a horrible goal to concede, but it's disappointing. Like, yeah. you know, they'll learn from it. It's a young squad. They will learn from it. And well, we said, that was yeah. played well. We said it. You've got to kind of give credit to QPR for coming away from home and, and testing the water with something like that. You know, they might have tried it in the first game. I don't know because I ain't seen it. But to, you've got to give credit towards their initiative to try and do different things on set pieces as opposed to, let's just stay in front post, let's just stay in back post, as it as it perceives sometimes. But um, I think that between us, we've all kind of summed up the, the QPR game perfect there. Um, a couple of different views, but moving on to Derby tomorrow night. Um, it, there's, a, there's a lot to to think about with this game because everyone's thinking, you know, that it's going to be walk in the park. Um, Derby don't look up to scratch. I know answer is a little bit different because he, he had the privilege of watching the game on, on Saturday. But starting off like... Will, who, who comes in, it's completely off topic, who, who comes in for Munker for you tomorrow? Uh, Matt, Matt Smith, straight away. Matt Smith in that position, obviously he came on and went into Munker's position in the first place. And I, like I say, I thought he was the best player on the pitch after that point for City. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a more a case of, I'd probably bring in maybe Randall Williams um, to play out wide 
Um, yeah. I thought he didn't get much to do at the end of the game, but his pace against him and KLP's pace against the centre back pairing of Phil, possibly Phil Jagielka and Curtis yeah. Davis is yeah. very enticing. Because um, I think they're a team that can be very easily got at because they're quite an old old defence. So I'd be looking to try and put as much pace at them as I could. That makes perfect sense. Does anybody know do they play with the two at the back, the two centre backs, or they play with three? Do you know? I'm sure they're far at the back. Did they have yeah, three centre backs at the club? <laughs> yeah, they don't have enough to play three at the back. No, they play yeah. um, Nathan Byrne, who's a very good right back, which will yeah. be a good um, fight yeah. between him and KLP. They've got him, and then obviously they'll have. I assume Jagielka and Davis with um, Forsyth in left, left back, who is another good fullback. Yeah. So good you know, it's not a bad defense at all. No, it's a very good experienced defense. It's just it might be yeah. a bit slow. Yeah, the, the starting eleven isn't too bad. It's just the depth. Um, exactly. So, you know, they, Kazim Richards, their one striker, got injured, so they've had to bring a new one in. So um, it's yeah, Sam Baldock, who's yeah, he's got ten goals since we've yeah. been relegated from the Premier League. So. Uh, I hope he doesn't score, but of course, now oh, I've well, said that, now I've said that, now. he's going to ha- get his first I mean, career hat-trick or something. I mean, I called it before the QPR game. I said, I can't stand Lyndon Dykes. He was a donkey at the Euros, and then there he is. <laughs> that bad? So, it's just the way this podcast is going to go from now on. We've got to try not to mention opposition strikers. That's the best thing to do. Um, any, any other changes? Um, to yourself, Anne, would you make any other changes, judging on the performance we saw? Anybody think maybe... Should be given a chance. Maybe you'd bring Emmanuel in for for Coyle. Uh, nah, I, I think Louis Coyle's probably one of our best players at the moment. He's just been phenomenal in any, in any game he's played. He's been great. Um, he's probably going to be the early shoe in for player of the season so far. Um, the thing is, is you know we've got like for like switches at the moment. So obviously, I'd assume Randall Williams will come in at right wing. He looked pretty good mm-hmm. when he came on. Um, I'd assume he'd start and I'm excited to see him start because I think um, he's a different kind of winger to what we've got at the club. He's less of an inside forward and more of a creator. Exactly. So I think, you know, the likes mm. of McGuinness is going to profit from that more than what he would with Wilkes and Lewis Potter. Um, I think Smith, since he came on against uh, in the QPR game, his ball retention, his passing range is great. So the way that we want to play in our system where we, we we try to play it through the middle and then get it out wide, he's going to be key. I know Monker is, has been great since signing, but he's a like, completely different players. I think that's what's exciting about this midfield is that we aren't limited to, you know, like last season it was Honeyman or Doherty. Either of them were missing. We struggled. This time we've got, you know, the likes of Smith, who's good at re- retaining the ball, dictating the tempo. You've got Smallwood now, who's stepped, seemed to have stepped up. He's been great since his pre-season um, doubts. Uh, and then you've got Moncair, who just likes to carry the ball and go. He's like another version of Doherty. You know what I mean? You've got Honeyman to come back as well. So I'd like to see Smith and Williams come in. Um, other than that, I wouldn't really change any of the other... other Because they didn't play badly, do you know what I mean? There isn't anyone who merits dropping. That's it. And speak about Honeyman coming back, and I can really see him coming back and playing more of a wider role, you know. And just come, We saw it the first time in the Championship where he was played a lot at right wing, wasn't he? When he came in, he maybe didn't stand out. But when you see a lot of his assists from last season, they came from a wider area. Granted, he was playing central, but he found himself in a pocket of space out wide and putting a ball in. And whether it be a through ball or a whip mm. cross, like that, that's... I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that was... No, I think, 
No, yeah, I think he he benefits from the system that we play. When we had Wilkes and Lewis Potter as wingers, they automatically cut inside. So the width is offered by the fullback. Now, what would happen is Wilkes would go inside, be in the box, and then Honeyman and Coyle would work their own way down that wing. And then obviously that's why he'd find himself out wide because he runs from deep. And I think that's where Honeyman gets his, you know, where he's best. Yeah. You don't want to start him out wide because I think you lose that threat. He starts in the middle, gets the ball up the pitch and then sort of makes that ring behind and receives the ball. So I wouldn't like to see him start wide, to be fair. So, I mean, we, we briefly touched on this already in the final, but um, do you reckon Phil Jarioka is going to start? Granted, I think they only signed him yesterday, Monday. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's eligible to play. I'm, I'm sure Baldock will, um, because Baldock of the Cousin Richards injury. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, maybe. But then they've not been too terrible defensively in the first two games. Uh, but they've played perhaps two of the three poorest sides in the division. And they haven't won. That's the thing. Mm-mm. So, uh, I mean, maybe. But then... That- uh, like that loss, the, the losing goal to Peterborough was pretty. Who yeah. was it who made the error? It was Burn. It was yeah. that great yeah. right back Nathan Burn <laughs> who gave the ball straight to um, Dembele, who was on the bench. So I mean, they've got good forward options if he's on the bench uh, for Peterborough. But yeah, uh, well, either centre back they go for, it'll be either like thirty-three uh, year old Stearman or thirty, well, fifty-eight mm. year old Jagielka now. <laughs> is he something like that? It's yeah, just insane. D- Davis is the only guarantee of the centre backs. He's been brilliant, by the way. Yeah, the, to be fair, he actually he, has. He scored in their first game of the season. Was one of the yeah, man yeah. of match contenders. And then the game I watched, he was phenomenal. I think he's he's sort of taken on that. We're in a shit situation, so I'm yeah. going to take it by the scruff of its neck and lead us through it, kind of thing. And Again. I would assume he's going to start Jagielka Rooney because he needs that experience to try and help him through. He's going to want, you know, advice and, and yeah. players who know what they're doing in the team, I would assume. So, well, you know, he's... As many leaders as he can as possible. Yeah. He was, playing, he was playing Premier League football last season, wasn't he? I mean, it's probably... Yeah, he was just United. Yeah. yeah. It's probably partly why they got relegated, like. Um, <laughs> but, and then the fact that they couldn't, they couldn't score at the other end. Um, and just to bring you into the loop on this, we've all made um, one... Similarly, towards a, a better player for one of ours. So, yeah, I compared um, Matt Smith a bit to like um, Phil Floden. Um, and I also did George McCare a bit to Henderson and the way he retains the ball. But a bit further up, not at the back. And we're not going to get into the Henderson debate on him. No, no, no. We'll leave that one off. Scale on that. But <laughs> if the opportunity arises where you're talking about a player, feel free to make an audacious shout as to who he reminds you of. Um, the question to everyone. So, Who's going to be key to unlocking the, the Derby defence? We've spoken about the quality of the quality of experience that they've got at the back is going to be brilliant. So, who's key for us in terms of unlocking that defence? Anyone can run. Just, I mean, just to pace. Be fair, yeah, I think he's the one. He is, he is, but it's it's getting that service into KLP, isn't it? So you've got to look at your midfield. I mean, the likes of Doherty is. You know, who doesn't really get mentioned in man of the match status, but he's always consistently one of our better players, and that's why he probably mm-hmm. doesn't get mentioned. He's well, the kind of guy it. who takes the ball forward, and in the absence of Moncare, is probably going to prosper a bit more because then he's going to have Smith as that safety net behind him with Smallwood. So yeah. you're going to look at the likes of just whoever can supply. I mean, you're looking at Smith to do them 
passes in behind for the likes of Kale Pino. And, and Williams might have a good shout, to be fair. Like I said, McGuinness loves them balls into the box and Williams likes a good cross. So I think a game like this would have suited Malik Wilkes. Um, and I'm not Malik's, not Malik Wilkes' biggest fan because he does like to have an extra touch. And these sort of oh, games, you want him to... <laughs> You want him to kind of draw that defence out because I can imagine they're not going to be that high up. They're going to be deep. So you're going to want to draw them out. And people like Matt Smith, Malik Wilkes and George McCare as well would have been brilliant in this situation. Just take a little extra touch and make the defender think, oh, I've got a chance there to take that. And the, that's where the windows of opportunities come from. Um, and anything to add on that? I think... No. No, go on, Will. No, I think... Uh, I completely agree, to be fair. Um that's probably the best way of getting through to it. Because like you said, they will play deep. I'll be surprised if they don't play deep. Because I think I imagine if they do play a high line, they're going to be incredibly vulnerable to our attack. So I would imagine he's... I imagine at this moment in time, Rooney will probably be happy with a point coming away from us. Yeah. After how after how Peterborough went in particular. Yeah. Um, I think he'll absolutely want to avoid defeat. We've got them they've gone one nil up in both their games so far and lost. Um, mm. Drew one and lost one. We've gone mm. one nil in both hours, won one lost one. Yeah, that's interesting. We, the, the one thing I don't want us to do is play similar to how we did on Saturday because with them having three at the back and having a bit of a high line, we relied heavily on a bit of an over the top ball, not well, not not in behind, but a long ball to McGuinness. And granted, he won a lot yeah. of his aerial duels which he didn't expect for him to be coming up against the likes of Dickey and um, Jordy Vice as well after seeing how, how decent he was in the air for us. We just don't want to play that style again because he will. I, I, I can't see him beating Davies and Jagielka yeah. on the regular. On, on the consistent. Had no support yeah. either. Yeah. He exactly. didn't do well in the air, the air, but we didn't get the support. Um, no. no. So, yeah, I think just uh, more pace and keep it on the ground as well. Uh, because, uh, you know, I think last season, one of our main strengths was just like with Honeyman it's just a, and moving up the right, as you said, with Coyle and that sort of thing. It's just the neat little short passes and get up the pitch and, and Doherty driving forward, dribbling from, you know, one penalty box to the next rather than just lumping it. And, um, yeah, so, and uh, we should have more of the ball perhaps if Derby are going to play a bit more defensively. So, yeah, I think it will be a different sort of style to um, how he went against QPR. I think an important thing will be keeping our heads because yeah, from what I've seen of Derby this season is they're, they're not That's playing it. on the front foot. The, you know, we, we, we struggled last season trying to break defensive teams down. <laughs> we wanted teams to come at us so we can counter-attack them. That's, that, that's our strength. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if you get to, you to half-time and it's nil-nil and the fans start getting a bit... Itchy because we've not scored a goal against this crap derby team, um, etc. You know, it starts feeding onto the players. And if we go a goal behind, you know what I mean? It's going to be hard to try and recover that. I know in both the games derby have done, they've gone a goal up and, and, and lost it or drawn it in the end. But it's, it's, it's another situation that you don't want to be in. So we have to start well. And we have to really get at them and have them, you know, thinking, yeah. oh crap, we're going to be in for a tough afternoon here because... We can't we can't be letting them sit behind the ball and us Even. just play it the way that they want us to. We've we've got to start probing, asking questions, and then passes in behind, which I think the likes of Smith will do. Getting KLP behind and having Ben, you know, thinking, "Oh crap, I'm in for a tough night here." Exactly. Yeah. As a as a 
So, as uh, Nathaniel mentioned earlier, their strength and depth is non-existent. So when it gets to about an hour, 70 minutes, if they are going to be playing a defensive style and we're going to be holding, holding a lot of the ball, they're going to start to tire and they're not going to have the re- the replacements, you know, like to fill yeah. up the squad. The quality again. replacements. Yeah. So you'd like to... We, I would hope that we get something relatively early to sort of force them into being more proactive and tiring themselves out quicker. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We'll see that this is this is their um, fourth 90 minutes coming up in the space of 10, 11 days. So if you're using the same team in and out, there's no time for recovery in there, not to recover to 100%. You're no. going to be taking, we're hopefully going to be taking advantage of some tired legs on there. Much like we saw ourselves when we was in the Premier League, Steve Bruce left and we had that bare 11. So I can see some sort of signs to that, but we we managed to plug on for about five, six games, but we didn't end up um, playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So it'd be hopefully a little bit better for ourselves. But to sum up on Derby in the preview, what's your score prediction and goal scorer as well? 2 0 City. Who's no scoring? Uh, uh, McGuinness and Doherty. Captain? Oh no, 30 yard Thunderbolts. Oh yeah, we're expecting that from McGuinness anyway. What about you, Anne? Um, I think I said on the prediction league, I went two one City. Um, again, his first goal scorer, Derby to bring it back, and then we'll score a winner in the second half with uh, KLP. So you're going against what's happened already with them always going one 0 up and us going one 0 down. We're going to go one 0 up, get pegs back, yeah. <laughs> We're going to lose two one, yeah. Um, no, so two one, brilliant. What about you, Nathaniel? Uh, I think. I think it'll be quite close. From what I've seen, maybe Derby are going to lose lots of games, but I don't know whether they're going to get battered. The problem they is, have is going forward, perhaps not defending. So maybe 1-0, someone like... Uh, I mean, it'd be really nice to see a, a, a first goal from someone, but perhaps it'll just be McGuinness, you know, getting on the end of uh, Aranda Williams' cross, hopefully. So me, I'm, I'm hoping for our first clean sheet, just like um, two mm-hmm. years ago. Um, it'd be really good for my Ingram because he's put, he has, despite the the first goal on Saturday, he's put in a really good performance. He's mm-hmm. made some saves that we don't expect a lot of our keeping in the past to have made, um, especially last year and this season so far. I'm going to go for two 0 and I, I like you, like you said, I want to see some new new names on the score sheet. So it'd be nice to see Matt Smith and Randall Williams mm-hmm. on there as well, or maybe. Um, Jacob Greaves as well. It'd be nice to see him score. So I'm, I'm happy with it. Gonna never, never going to score. Not happening. It'll be, it'll be like <laughs> Davis, 36, and he won't have scored. There's a lad who um, sits next to me and Will. Um, he puts five pound on Jacob Greaves to score at any time. It's every just game, so throwing far. it down the happen. toilet. Yeah, it's a lot of money he's wasted. <laughs> We haven't had enough set pieces for him to score this season, though. I don't. I mean, uh, we didn't have any like those inswingers from Elder or Moncur against QPR in the attacking half. So had corners, but well, that's. I think that's a that's a factor of Honeyman being missing. Obviously, mm. his his yeah. set pieces were because but well, he, he was like wins them as well. Back. Yeah, he does win them. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Elder took some as well, and he had nine assists for a left back, so it shows that he's he's fairly capable of done, but. Yeah. Moncair, I just think set piece wise, from what I've seen from him so far. I mean, I said it to Joe when I was at Preston. Every set piece he put in the box was poor, and yeah, I don't know direct, who we were aiming at. Was, 
We were doing what Boney Grishik used to do. Do you know we used to aim it at the front post every single time to the smallest oh. player on the pitch? Amazing players, but they could not take set pieces at all. Like Elgin no, Hines know. know what they're doing, but yeah, Monkers, Monkers, there if you want to shoot from one. Whereas Elder and uh, Honeyman, they they get the assists. I'd assume Smith will have a good set piece on him. Fingers mm. crossed. Well, Doherty had some. Doherty did some at Shrewsbury, and we've never given him him a chance. Maybe uh, with Monker out, and you know, I don't know who's going to be taking them from the right. So maybe give Doherty a go. I think they like Doherty to linger on the edge of the box for a rebound, though, yeah. don't they? Mm. They shot for his long range shooting. So that, that that sums up QPR. Uh, no, Derby, sorry, jeez, I've done it again. <laughs> um, that, that sums up Derby. I want to move on to the the, the highlight of the week. What well, we could win five nil tomorrow, ten nil tomorrow, but the highlight of the week is always going to be Tom Wilson coming on. It's got to be. He's, he's come back, and you can see online it's it's already brought a great moment. It's brought everyone together, and we finally got the man we've wanted. Since the moment we found out who's training with us again, I mean, some of us wanted him last season. So, um, I'm going to go around. I'm going to ask this question to you all one at a time, but and I think we're all going to have the same answer. Will, what's your favourite Tom Huddleston moment? Um, oh, the haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was close though. It's close between two. It's either that or the goal against Sheffield United. Oh, that was that was mine. <laughs> Well, thanks for having two, mate. I appreciate that because now we've all got to, all got to deep, deep into the archive now. <laughs> um, think of a better moment. So I, I mean, think was, you can repeat. It was Fulham, wasn't it? It was it, it was Fulham in the six nil. Yeah, it was the six nil over Fulham. Yeah, what a, what a day that was! What a day! <laughs> all goals in the second half. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and what about you? Thinking back to it, and we just mentioned yours there with the Fulham goal. Yeah, man was no man was the Sheffield United one. I think it was, um, you know, we're not used to seeing Huddleston move like that. Um, he, he he rounded their defender, and I think that that moment was where we won it. Once it that his it, yeah. the euphoria when he scored that goal, um, and with it being Huddleston as well, he was just and being at Wembley the occasion FA Cup semi final. It was just, I mean, I, I loved the goal at Fulham and his performance at Fulham. To be fair, was brilliant. You remember the. Um, the free kick he tried from like 40 yards yeah. and hit the bar. Um, yeah, and Fry, you put in the rebound. Yeah, I mean, the guy's just got phenomenal technique with that um, sort of drilled shot that he does from range. Um, I mean, it looks like it but, goes but, so slow, but it's so drilled, isn't it? It's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he wraps his... He's just sort of lace He knuckleballs yeah. it almost, doesn't he? And it just yeah. it just stays at the same trajectory. It doesn't go higher or lower. It just bullets in. But nah, that Sheffield United goal, I think, is, is, is my favourite. What about you, Nathaniel? Yeah, I think it's the same. I mean, that goal was, uh, well, you know, because uh, Sheffield United were defending really well in that game. And we just needed that, just a bit of quality, a bit of quality that they didn't have. And, you know, he, he took the game in his own hands. I thought, right, we're scoring here. Great one-two with uh, another City legend, David Myler, who we'd <laughs> love to have back as well. But, yeah, and hopefully if he can do that, same sort of quality, just a little pass. <clears throat> And, you know, he didn't need his pace for that goal because it was just perfectly weighted. I mean, yeah, it was a fantastic goal, great moment. And, uh, you know, he's sort of cemented himself in whole city folklore with that goal. Oh, 100%. I mean, it, I think there's at one point he does a little drop of the shoulder as well. And it, it, it all looks just so smooth. And we, we got so used to seeing him being so good with both feet. And a lot of the times when he tried his shots, you know, it, it was on his right foot. 
And I think we can we can all agree a lot of them wasn't on target. But you can tell if it was on target, it was going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that one was a left foot curl, wasn't it? If I remember right. Yeah. Finesse. So it was on what we thought was his weaker foot, and he's just just binned it. Um, but now I've had to dig deep into the archive. I think a little bit off topic with with Tom Huddleston, it'd be the moment he brought it to us all, and it's it's arguably one of my best chance. And it was a Tommy Huddleston. <laughs> that was that was a, a great. A, a lot, a, during the time I was going to a lot of the games, home and oh, man away, and that was a a regular chant throughout. So I I enjoyed that moment. What what do you think he's going to bring to the team? Well, I think he's going to bring a lot of knowledge and experience of how he of his technique and his passing of the ball, and I think he'll do more good. I think he'll do all right if he's a playing, but I think he'll do more good off the pitch than on it. So I think what he brings to the team in terms of what his experience already with the club, the what he can teach the younger players already at the club and improve those players, I think will be incredibly vital. Yeah. And yeah. I mean you can already kind of, I think you can already kind of see it with some of the ways that the pack like I don't remember Richie Smallwood ever making a pass like he did in the Preston game ever yeah. before Huddleston started back training with, with us. Back to Ingram. <laughs> yeah. Teaching a dinosaur there, isn't it? <laughs> what about you, Ant? What do you think he brings? Does he, and if he brings something, does he start? Well, when we were first linked with him, there was a lot of people who said, you know, we don't want him. He's old, he's past it. It's too slow, which I don't know why that's ever an argument. Um, to be fair, the pace is, the pace is a thing, but... It, yeah, I, but it depends I, in what in what um, role he's, he's using. If you're using exactly. a midfielder that needs pace, then obviously you're not going to play Huddleston in that role, are you? Huddleston's a midfielder. He's not going to be a defensive midfielder like Smallwood is. But if you're going to have a game um, where you're going to expect to have a lot more of the possession, you're going to play Huddleston over like Smallwood. Mm. Smallwood would play in a game like Preston away, where we need a bit more grit to win, win the ball back. Mm. He'd probably um, be, he'd probably work really well as a sweeper. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, that's I mean, he's not the best defensively. Is your only issue there? It's his, his strength, well, yeah. is his passing, and his ball retention. So. You know, spraying them long diags. I think the players like Jacob Greaves and Jones who play them uh, long diags in for the likes of Lewis Potter and Wilkes on the wing that they were doing last season, I think he could probably teach them a technique with his, you know, that could help them a bit better mm-hmm. and improve their oh, passing wow. and improve them as a player. Uh, and let's not be let's not be daft. I mean, if, if you if you watch his interview, he's here to play. He's not here to sit on the bench oh, yeah. and, and be a mentor. He... he, he he said himself he could quite easily have just called it quits, started doing his badges, gone into the media and whatever, but he, he wants to go out there and, and prove that he's still got it. He's probably a bit hurt that he had a year without a club. I think yeah. he probably started doubting his own ability and thinking, why yeah. don't the club want me? And, you know, he's come back to a place where he's familiar, where he knows he's loved, and he's probably going to try and get back to his top form before he does eventually call it quits. I mean, we've got essentially <laughs> a two-year deal if we want to keep him for, yeah. for that long. So yeah. to, he's, he's, he's going to have a point to prove. If it hadn't been the, like a COVID season, I think he probably would have got a club last year. At some yeah. point, I think that so be on really bigger wages than Sam. Yeah, I mean, I assume he's taken quite a pay cut to come to us because I can't see us if we weren't willing to pay Reese Berg's wages, and we definitely weren't going to mm-hmm. pay what Huddleston would, what we'd all assume he was on. So I imagine he's say, on probably similar yeah. to the rest of the squad. That could say a lot about how much he wants to play as well. That he's not really yeah. bothered. It came across in his interview like he just wanted to get down to playing. And the first yeah, thing yeah. I, I heard on his interview was 
when when he made the phone call initially to um to Pennock, he said I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah, it was Tony Pennock, yeah, he said um the first thing I wanted to do was just prove my fitness. And then we can talk mm. about the football afterwards. And yeah, that, that for itself tells, speaks volumes, doesn't it? Um if he if he comes into the squad then who's he replacing, Nathaniel? Um well, yeah, I mean that's the thing, because Smallwood is the captain, right? And even though McCann's thought, well, Huddleston, great player, we'll sign him up. He's not going to just kick out uh, Smallwood as captain. So I think if Smallwood gets injured for a long time, he might come in. But then I would have thought Matt Smith is the replacement. And I think they're similar sort of players. Maybe they're not a defensive midfielder that can tackle like Smallwood, but, you know, like the long cultured pass, you know, to the wide players, that sort of thing. Both of them can do that. So I think... uh, I think at some point Smith or Huddleston will break into the starting eleven because uh, they're similar players. It's just you know up to them to see which one it's going to be. But I don't think we're going to see a um, a midfield with both of them because that would be just yeah. they're, they're you know just sort of a, a, a young Tom Huddleston and an old one basically. So uh, one of the them. Thing. When you look at the players we've got available, we've got Doherty, Smith, Moncare, um Honeyman. Huddleston, you've got to get all. You've got to try and you've got to choose two or three of them. You can't think, have them all. Yeah, I think what McCann's doing is he's. You know, they always say if you want a successful squad, you've got to have two players for every position. Yeah. If you look at our midfield, we've got a lot of midfielders, and a lot well, of people say we don't need. We're, we're sorted in midfield. I, if you look at it, you'd assume that the two box-to-box roles that Doherty and Honeyman did last year. So you've got Doherty and Honeyman, then they're you would assume like-for-like like changes are Smith and Moncare. Yeah. And then in the holding midfield role, you would have um, Huddleston and Smallwood. So it would mm-hmm. depend on... And then you've also got like Andy Cannon as well. Yeah, you've got oh, yeah. Cannon who probably can play anywhere. He's never going to play. He's proven that mm-hmm. you know, he, can, he can score goals. <laughs> you know, he's already exactly. scored already. So, um, the likes of Doherty and Honeyman. Can have a little and Munker can have a look at little go out wide and inside forward. Oh no, so they can all mm. they can all fit into them positions and maybe do a little job for a short period in a game. Um, but as you said, it's perfect for any manager to have two players for each position in your own in your own system. Yeah. I mean, just to just to answer the question I asked myself in, in terms of Huddleston, we mentioned about the experience he provides in the back, and for me. Um, I saw someone post about it in in terms of why wouldn't you go for Egan Slater over him, and you know it's it's a genuine question, and there is there's food for thought on both sides of the coin, but the way I answered at the time, and I didn't go into too much detail, was Huddleston's more of a one year plan, and Regan Slater's more of a three year plan. However, just because it's a one year plan, it don't mean it's it's a good fix because he can teach our players a lot of stuff during that one year, and then what you got to think about is. Would you rather have all them youngsters that are coming on with that wealth of experience going up to the next level as to where we want to go, as opposed to having Regan Slater growing at what would be a normal pace alongside them? Me personally, I'm on Do you know, the way I saw it was, if you take away like the facts that where he's going to play or what role he's going to have, etc. Do you remember the 2007-8 the season where we started pretty poorly and we, we looked like we didn't really have... Yeah. Um, a direction at the beginning of the season anyway, obviously. We all know how it ended. Um, but when we signed when we signed JJ Kotcher, 
everything changed. And you yeah. know that kind of signing that uh, yeah, I think he, people he, can underestimate the impact it had on the dressing mm. room. Like you, you think of the likes of Keane Lewis Potter, who's watched Huddleston as a fan. He's yeah. training with him now. He's yeah. playing in the same team as him. The lift it gives to the to, to the whole squad in training, the bounce, the expertise. Yeah. The lad's got over 200 Premier League experiences. He's an ex-England international. You know what I mean? This is a big signing yeah. for a club like us. I think a lot of championship clubs yeah. will be thinking, what the hell? Why is he going yeah. there? You see, like, Huddleston comes in and, like, those lads like him, Lewis Potter will be excited. And as a result, vice versa. So will Huddleston seeing those players sort of, like, happy to see him. You know, he can reminisce about the times. He can... King Lewis Potter can talk to Huddleston about that Sheffield United mm-hmm. goal, about because seeing him put it down the side of the pitch. Yeah. The lift it gives to the dressing room. Then... Yeah, well, I mean... The, the... Back, can't we? And we can go back as far as the Nick Barnby moment when he came in. That was yeah. a shock for everyone. Mm-hmm. Thinking, What's Nick Barnby? Sometimes it's more of the impact it gives to the team exactly. and the lift it gives them and the enthusiasm to go into every game more so than what they offer as a player themselves. It's a... It's a galvanising signing. It helps us think, Christ, that's a good signing and all the lads get a pick-up from it. Yeah. Exactly that. Mm-hmm. Exactly that. And do you know, I think we've had a, I think we've actually had a, a really good show tonight in the aspect of we've covered mm-hmm. some some decent points with some really good, really good views on that. And again, we'd, we'd, I'd like to close off by thanking the sponsors again, Hull City Retro, Hull Badgeman and, and the Fee Factory himself. Um, and a little plug as well to the Fan Hub. You know, if you've not used it before, get on board. Um, amazing app. You can you're actually able to to check into your um, stadiums you're going to, whether it be your home ground or your away ground, and start rocking up the mouse. You know just how far you, you're traveling for your team. Um, each team's got their own little feed as well to show you the latest news. It doesn't. I don't think it pulls from the local paper, but there's other places where it does pull from, and it gives you some great insight into maybe some of the news you didn't know before. And so it's definitely worth a look and worth a download. So check that out. It's called Fan Hub. But thanks to everyone for. Tune in. It's been brilliant. I've enjoyed my first time at the in the hot seat. Um, I think Ant's going to review it and decide whether <laughs> that happens again. But in, in the meantime, it's been a pleasure on you all. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.